is the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast, telling the story of Kosciuszko County through the eyes of those who have been here lifetimes and those who have just arrived. The mission of Clearly Kosciuszko is to craft a sense of place and pull all corners of our county together. The story of our community is ever unfolding and needs you. Each month, we'll talk with those involved in our community and invite listeners to play, learn, and grow alongside us. Now, the latest edition of the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast with your host, Jody Claypool and Ryan Martin. It's another Clearly Kosciuszko podcast, broadcasting live here from the third floor of City Hall, the Kedco Studio offices. We're joined again for another in-depth conversation with movers and shakers, both prior, present, and future in Kosciuszko County on the Clearly Kosciuszko podcast. I'm Ryan Martin, agribusiness partner here at Kedco. My co-host, as always in the podcast, Mr. Jody Claypool of JC Innovations. Jody, how are you? Doing well. How are you doing, sir? I am living the dream every single day here in uh, Kosciuszko County. Another gorgeous day outside right yes, now. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been a really nice week. Nice week, and we're, 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 we're spinning our wheels toward fall. Soon we'll be seeing all of the fall activity starting. I was in the store the other day. There's Halloween stuff out already. I got nothing. I, <laughs> I mean, here's what I would say. Don't pay attention to that. Get out on the water while the weather's still nice. Come out, see us at Tippy River Adventures. Don't pay attention to the Halloween decorations. Yeah, uh, There's no tricks or treats on the river. It's just nature and a good time. Good, good times. Time. Good bonding. Yep. So we've got, a, we've got another spectacular guest here with us today. A little bit different. A lot of times we're talking with business owners or somebody was here on the business side. Yes, sir. Uh, dare I say, Jody, we are in the presence of greatness today. I, I say you do say. I, I, I think we say because, you know, we've got somebody here from an organization that if you've spent any time in Indiana or around Indiana, you know of this organization. They play a huge role in interscholastic athletics here in Indiana. Jody, who do we have today? We, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it, and then you guys correct me where I get it wrong. Commissioner Emeritus mm-hmm. at the Indiana High School Association, Athletic Association. Correct. Did I get that right? That's correct. IHS AA. Yes. Yeah. Lots of letters and <laughs> acronyms. Yeah. And it's an acronym soup. So we've got Bob, Bobby Cox with us. All right. And he's going to give us his. He's he is a um, he's a resident mm-hmm. at Winona Lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has spent a lot of time in Carmel. He's got a place down in Florida. He's going to give us all that background. Okay. But it's going to be a good opportunity for us to actually talk to somebody who has that idea of a, uh, a second home right. that has become their primary home here in K County. Correct. And I know there's a lot more of those around here. That's, that's going to be really cool. Before we get to that part of it, Bobby, how long were you commissioner? Because if you were commissioner emeritus, that means you were commissioner not emeritus at some point. Yeah, so you, this was a role that you filled here in Indiana for a good long time. Right. Tell us a little bit about you, Bobby, and, and, and your road through the IHSAA. Well, I was um, a teacher and a coach, and then I was an athletic director at Carmel High School. And in 2000, I interviewed to become an assistant commissioner. Blake Ress was named the commissioner when Bob Gardner left to go to the National Federation. And uh, then an assistant commissioner position opened, and I was kind of thought I was in my terminal job at Carmel High School where <laughs> I went to school. I thought that's where I was going to finish, but... I interviewed for the job and, and um, was received the job, and I was an assistant commissioner for 10 and a half years, and 
Commissioner Russ retired in the middle of the year, okay. like the middle of the school year, January. I took over February 1st of 2011 and retired August 1st of 20. So nine, nine, nine and a half, almost 10 years as commissioner, 10 and a half years as an assistant commissioner. So 20 years total at the association, uh, added to the 21 years I was in the school corporation. So a, a career of 41 years, and, and that was enough. It was a great run, but I was happy to conclude that. So uh, talk to us a little bit, and, and you can even go back to your coaching days and teaching days at Carmel. Talk us through how Indiana High School athletics has, has grown, has changed. I mean, I'm from the day where the only class, classes we had mm -hmm. were in football, right. and it was 1A through 5A. Right. That was it, and, and a lot has changed right. since the days of, of, of my youth. Right. Just walk us through how high school athletics has changed here in the past, well, the 20 years that you were commissioner and sure. previously as a coach. Well, I think um, I go back to those days when there was single class in, in every sport except football. I even go back before there was really a football tournament. That's how old I am. So uh, the, the thing of what's happened in the state of Indiana, respective of schools, is the fact that our larger schools continue to grow. Warsaw High School has grown dramatically over the years. <clears throat> it's one of the 32 largest schools in the state of Indiana. They're in 6A football. Mm -hmm. Uh, the the problem is the smaller schools are still smaller schools. They're not growing. So the disparity between enrollments continues to grow. And subsequently, the need for multiple classes continues to rise <clears throat> because there's, there's just such disparity. You can't expect a school like Tippecanoe Valley to compete with Homestead. Mm -hmm. It's just not going to, it's just not a, it's not a contest in a lot of sports. And there are examples like that all over the state. So the, the, the association evolved based upon those demographics around the state. And um, when I was at Carmel High School, we had 3,300 kids when I was the athletic director. That was a big school. It was the second mm -hmm. largest in the state. Today they have 5,700. Wow. So that school is huge. And it's just it's just such a different dynamic than you know when I went to the association, I learned a lot because I spent my whole career there, and we're talking about going to different schools and I'd go to games and go to contests and I'd go to a game and the school's enrollment was seven hundred that's a whole school mm -hmm. my cafeteria duty was seven hundred kids at Carmel High School <laughs> I had seven hundred kids in a cafe for one section. So you, your perspective changes, and you learn a lot about how different schools work and, and why the association evolved the way it did. And, and so I think that the demographics of our state, you know, you can go back and look at all the ways back to the days of consolidation, pre-consolidation. We had 800 members. Every little community in this county had a school. Mm -hmm. and, and now there's, what, two or three left. Three, yep. And so that's the difference. Um, and, and so there's some good with that, and there's some bad with that. But it's progress, I think. At the end of the day, it's progress. And I, I've driven through so many little towns throughout my career. When I would go to games, I would purposely not drive on the interstate. I would go state roads and back roads and drive through communities and look at the old gyms 
and that are abandoned. And some of them have been recaptured. And you go up to North Webster and you can see the gym, mm -hmm. and they've got a little center there. But all those communities had a little, they had a high school, and that was the center of town. And when that Consolidation Act of 1959 came along, it closed a lot of schools. Well, that changed the dynamic of those communities. And some communities survived, and a lot of them didn't. So I think, you know, progress has its pains as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been an interesting observation, and I've enjoyed it a lot. All right, so we're, we're six minutes in, and I'm going to give Bobby a, a hot-button question that doesn't really have anything to do with the Clear the Kosciuszko podcast, but I feel he's an authority <laughs> here. So we're going we're gonna to go. Bobby, in athletics, and whether it's Warsaw High School, whether it's Tippy Valley, whether it's big or small, it seems like there is more of a push here recently to specialize. Mm -hmm. Rather than playing three sports, I was a three-sport athlete, you know, rather than doing things like that, to specialize. Mm -hmm. Good or bad, from an athletic perspective and from a kid perspective, as we're molding kids in these communities to grow and develop, what are your thoughts on, uh, on you know, taking one and traveling all over the place and doing one thing and just only run, running that? Well, my personal opinion is specialization has hurt kids. Yep. I, uh, I was a three-sport athlete as a youngster, and I think kids learn a lot when they're coached by different people in different environments and in different settings. You know, if you're a football player and there's a style of a football coach and a, a, a culture in football, and then when that season's over, you go to the basketball team. Well, that basketball coach operates a little bit differently, too. Mm-hmm. And then when that season's over, you go to the baseball coach, and he operates a little bit differently. And I think what that does for young people is that when they mature, they go through high school, maybe they go to college, maybe they go out into the workforce, maybe they go into uh, civil service, maybe they go into the military. If you've played multiple sports and had multiple adult leaders, you learn from that experience that that's going to be what life is. There's going to be different kinds of bosses. There's going to be different kinds of cultures. There's going to be different kinds of experiences. And if you were a multi-sport kid, you've learned some skills to deal with that. I think when you specialize, you lose out on a lot of opportunities that um, can be very enjoyable, can be very educational. Uh, a lot of my friends that I still have friends today I made with when I was in junior high school. And now I'm two hours away from where I grew up, but I still communicate with him. I still, I'm playing golf with one of them. He lives in Florida, and I'm playing golf with him next week. We, we, you develop relationships with different teammates and different mentors, and you get different experiences. And I, I and there's, there's a hundred examples, and, and I like to, uh, follow Nick Saban at Alabama, and I listen to a lot of the stuff he says. Ten of his 11 starters on the offensive side of the ball at Alabama were multiple sport kids. Now, we're talking arguably one of the best football programs in the last two decades in college football, and we're using multiple sport kids. Mm -hmm. They didn't just all play football. They did other things. They played basketball. They ran track. They played baseball. They did other things. 
I think there's some value in that notion. And, and I think when kids are specializing by whatever motivation, many times it's parents, you know, we're going to get that D1 scholarship, so we got to start <laughs> playing baseball when we're five years old, or we're going to make the major leagues, or we're going to make the NBA. Well, the percentage of that is so minuscule, it's so small, that it, but it's hard to convince folks that, well, my kid will be that one in that little bitty percentage that's going to make it. Well, no, you won't. Chances are very high you won't be that one. So what's your diversity plan? What, what are you going to do when the old playing days are over? And, and how are you going to be prepared for life? What, what's going to get, what the experience is going to give you the opportunity to best succeed when you've got to move off the nest and get out of here? And I think that specialization hurts that concept. All right, so part of the reason why I asked that question is I clearly wanted to hear what he's saying, but also it sets the perspective of this gentleman that's sitting in over here in the yeah, room, right. Jody. So when we ask the next question here, now we're viewing this through the perspective that we've been kind of laid out here. So, Bobby, you started in Carmel. Yes, I did. Um, bluntly, why are you here? Well, <laughs> you know, when um, as I got toward the end of my career, you start thinking about, you know, what what's what's the the – afterlife of, of your career. What, what are you going to do? And I've always been a, a person all through my career, through my scholastic career and my work career. You got to have a plan. My mom and dad always said, you need to have a plan, son. And if you have a plan, you better have another plan too, because that plan might not work. Mom always said, you need a plan B. So as I got toward the end of my career, we would come up to the lakes up here because we had a lot of friends that had homes on about every lake up here, it seemed like. And we'd get invited to come for the weekend. And my wife and I kind of enjoyed that, going out on the boat and staying overnight and going to the restaurants and things. And we were kind of thinking about, okay, what's, what's after the career? My wife had retired already. She retired almost 10 years ago. Hmm. So I'm getting close to the end, and I'm thinking about what that's going to look like. Am I going to stay in Carmel? Um, what are we going to do in the summer? We already had a home in Florida. We knew we were going to spend the winters in Florida. And we'd been vacationing down there while I was still working, spending some extended time. So we started coming up to the lakes up here. And we'd stay the night. We'd get on the boat. and we'd do that. You know, this is kind of fun. So before we pull that trigger, though, let's, let's go buy something, a little cottage where we could come up on the weekends and spend extended time to see if we really like it. So we did. We bought a little cottage on Chapman, on Big Chapman. It was truly a little cottage. It was 700 square feet, <laughs> two little bedrooms, no washer dryer, you know, no garage. And, um, but we would come up on the weekends and spend time and bought a little pontoon boat, still have it, and um, we really liked it. So as we got closer to retirement, we said, well, we're going to need something a little more permanent. And we looked at Tippy, uh, we looked at Webster, uh, we looked at Wawasee, and we really felt like that's a little out of our league. And so we, we found this home in Winona, which at the point was a little out of my league too, and I thought, you know, I don't think we can pull this trigger. And so we kept looking and kept looking. And finally, long story short, we ended up putting an offer on it and purchased the home and 
and uh, we've really, really enjoyed it. And it's been a great place for us. It's it's just a three-bedroom ranch house right on the water, though, and got the boat right out the back door. And so it's really been fun, and we've tried to really kind of immerse ourselves in the community and, and what's going on here. And, and uh, the thing that I really like about it is that the pace here in, in Warsaw and Winona Lake is, is just so much sm slower and, and more relaxed. And, you know, in, in retirement, people say, you know, the thing about retirement is there's never a day off. You, you're always doing something. And I used to laugh at that saying, how come you're so busy? You don't work anymore. Well, you, you get as busy as you want to get. And there's always something to do. You know, you either go playing golf or you're on the boat or you're visiting friends, you're entertaining company. And so you stay busy. And what I like about it here is everything's right in front of you. It's, it's five minutes to the grocery store. It's five minutes to the, to the drugstore. It's, it's five minutes to this store. It's five minutes to health care. Everything's right in front of you. And it's, e it's, a, it's the path of least resistance. Uh, my former community is now the fourth largest city in Indiana. <clears throat> Carmel, Indiana is the fourth largest city in Indiana. It's a big place. It's busy. And, you know, I still have a great affinity toward it. That's where I grew up, and I still love the community. But it's big, and it's busy. And I was, I was over big and busy. I'm ready for something not so big and not so busy and, and more relaxed. And that's what I like about being here in Warsaw. Yeah, um, walk us through, so toward the end of your uh, stint with the uh, IHSAA, mm -hmm. did I say that right? Yes, you did. All right. Um, <clears throat> that's when the pandemic hit. Right. And so there, there, was, this, <clears throat> there was this remote work mm -hmm. transition that I think had played some into um, how, you did. Made, how you made the, the move up well, to we were Carling. <clears throat> One of the most difficult decisions I ever made as commissioner was to shut down the boys' basketball tournament. And um, during that time, we had played the sectional. We had 64 sectional champions around the state. And, and arguably, the boys' basketball tournament in Indiana is, is one of the best athletic series in our country at any level. It is truly one of the great athletic experiences in our country, let alone our state. And it became evident really quick that we were on the wrong side of that equation after the sectional. Um, Indianapolis was hosting the Big Ten tournament that weekend, that week. And Freddie Hoiberg was coaching at Nebraska, and he got sick during the tournament. And everybody's talking about COVID, and everybody's talking about this this disease this virus that's out there and there wasn't really a lot of really good knowledge about it but it was scaring people to death and we had just finished the sectional and the big 10 tournaments going on and right in the middle of warm-ups they take both teams off the floor and they shut the tournament down this is on like a wednesday night so thursday i hold a press conference and say we're going to continue the boys basketball tournament at the regional level but we're going to do it without fans. We're going to get the kids there. We're going to play. Well, time goes pretty quick in that environment. 
in like five hours later, we've got school principals and superintendents and school boards calling us saying, well, we're not going to host. We're not going to lay anybody in our gym. They're, they're scared to death. And I said, well, at that point, I called some of my board members and talked to the staff. And I said, we're running a tournament. This isn't just an all-comer you know, all basketball game. If we can't run 16 sites, we're not going to run any of them. We're going to cut it down. So from Thursday to we're not going to have fans, Friday at noon, I closed the basketball tournament down. And then the whole idea was, okay, when this thing passes, we'll start it back up maybe in the spring. We'll finish the basketball tournament. Well, as we know, mm-hmm. it never did finish. Two weeks became two years. And then we, um, and we didn't have any spring sports. So that was a really difficult time. And, of course, we shut our office down. Like every state association in this country shut their office down. Like every business shut their office down. And so at that time, I had already sold my home in Carmel, and I was renting from a friend because I knew that was the year I had already announced my retirement, and I knew we were retiring. So at that point, I'm at home in a rental home in Carmel working at a desk like this. And I'm thinking, well, this is kind of stupid. If I'm going to work, I might as well go to the lake and work from the lake. It's remote. I can do everything I'm doing right here up there in my own home. So we moved. We, we had a rental agreement with a friend. There was no contract, just paying her rent every month. We said, we're going to leave. We're going to go to the lake. And so for the last three months of my career, I worked Three days a week when we reopened the office, it was voluntary. Three days of a week in Indianapolis in the office, and two days a week at the lake. So I worked Mondays and Fridays at the lake, and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the office, and that's how I finished out. So it was a, it was an interesting time. Looking back on it, um, it was. Um, I I I, nurse, I understand the fear and the trepidation that that folks had. Um, I'm glad we came out of it. Um, obviously, there were many lives lost, and that was tragic. I lost a lot of dear friends. Uh, the athletic director at North Central High School is a great friend of mine. We worked together for over 20 years. He was my award steward at the state football tournament every year, big guy in the coach association. He got it at the sectional. He died a month later, and that was hard. That was real hard. Um, to lose Paul, and, and there were others. And um, looking back on that, it was a tragic time, but I like the way that our country has rallied and how we've persevered like we do in all tough times. And, and I think it's a good lesson in athletics. I, our kids persevered, um, and getting them back out on the field that next fall was a real big objective of the association. And I was out the door, and my successor, Paul Neidig, took over. And the staff and the board, their goal was to get kids back out playing. They needed that from a mental perspective, from an emotional perspective, social perspective. They needed to get back out and start their life again. And I thought, as I look back on that whole time now, while there were challenges and while there was heartache, I think overall we did pretty well to get around it. Yeah, there's there was a I think the 
the pandemic was a catalyst for a lot of changes that were already happening. It just accelerated the already happening phenomenon. One of them is a work from home, flexible hour, absolutely work schedule at large, multiple industries. Um, much like the story you told, I think there's some of the smarter people from Chicago mm-hmm. who've, who've made that decision that, hey, I can work for my lake house absolutely. here in K County and not have to go get shot at in Chicago. Right. right. Well, and I, and I will say I've had my fill of Zoom meetings. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I still participate in a lot of Zoom meetings. But I, uh, one part we've missed is that person-to-person, face-to-face contact with Zoom that interpersonal relationship building that really is important in any line Plus, of work. Plus, it's good to know if the person you're talking to is wearing pants. Well, that's true. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there are many times I would um, get on set and I'd have my blazer and my tie on in shorts because they wouldn't see under the table. It was no that's big right. deal. Um, but there, um, therein lies the, the, the issue that I think we're grappling with today is that uh, we, we, we cannot lose that interpersonal uh, relationship building experience because that is the catalyst for everything that we do in our society. The trust that you build between people. It's hard to do that when you're looking at a computer screen. You've you got to be around that person. And I had the opportunity to be with the um, IHSA staff the last two days during their marketing um, meetings they have with their marketing company just being able to do that it's the first time we've done it since COVID and they invited the old guy back and that was great but it just to be with those people and and go through that um, process of of sharing and and future building looking ahead to what we're going to be doing that was really good stuff and 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 I think we we got to get back to that and then I get the remote working, and I, <clears throat> and there's some efficiencies to it. There's some great cost savings to it, um, but at the same time, you lose some. So it's a trade-off. Well, and your perspective is so vital here, because you had already mentioned this, <clears throat> but to just make sure that we we call it out, sports is critical because it helps you learn that networking, team building, right aspect uh that's critical for human relationships it's critical for business it's critical for life you look at virtually any walk of life business world educational fields politics anywhere you want to go and you look at the people that are leading those charges most of them if not all of them participate in some kind of athletic event some kind of sport some kind of club some kind of activity in their scholastic days. And that's where they learn those qualities. And, and of course, they build upon those as they get older and more experienced. But, you know, if you're fourth and one on the goal line and you're the defense, you learn pretty quick who your buddies are and who you want to be in the trench with. You know, you don't learn that other places. You know, you're a cross-country runner. I was a cross-country guy. You're only as good as your fifth guy. And so you, while you're out there racing, you really want your fifth guy to do well, and you're going to do everything you can to help him to make sure because he's part of your team. You learn that in sports. You learn those kinds of lessons. 
those are transferable lessons. Those are things that go to your business life. Those things go to your professional life. You learn who to count on in your office. You know who you can go to because you've learned how to identify that as a youngster. And that's why I think sports and activities are so important because you learn life lessons that are transferable and they get you through to these what they call the golden days of retirement now. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about this. So you, you're, you're no longer a resident of Carmel. Correct. Are you a resident of Winona Lake, Indiana? Or are you a resident, Bobby, of wherever the heck it is in Florida? I am a Florida resident. Oh, we were hoping to get it the other way. I know. Well, and you know, a lot <laughs> of my friends, Maybe if we a lot of my friends you know, say that going. too. Um, you know, my wife and I figured out... <laughs> The, the tax advantages mm -hmm. um, of, of, of being a Florida resident versus a, an Indiana resident and, and the, the other um, implications of excise tax and things like that. And so we, <clears throat> we actually save quite a bit of money being Florida residents. So we spend a little over six months a year in Florida. We leave right after the... Uh, Unified Flag Football State Championships. That's when we, that's our trigger. We go to that tournament and then we head south and then we come back the first week of May. My first um, uh, snowbird faux pas was uh, we finished our first full winter in Florida and the golf season was over and, you know, it's starting to get hot. And I said, Kathy, let's, let's head home. It's like middle of the April. And I said, okay, we're going to head home. <laughs> well, you guys are laughing because you know what happened. Uh -huh. I got here, and it's about 47 degrees, and it's raining sideways. And I'm thinking, what in the world were you thinking? You know, you can deal with heat just going side. You know, you don't – here it's cold, it's wet, you can't play golf, you can't get your boat out, you can't do anything. So last year we waited till the first week of May, and – you know, people that, people that do this, they say, well, every year it's going to be a little shorter and a little shorter. But to answer your question, yeah, we are Florida residents, and we live in Port Charlotte, mm -hmm. which is just south of Venice and Northport and north of Fort Myers, and really enjoy it. So you do then fit a demographic that, as Jody alluded to, is, is growing or has the potential to grow here. Uh, residents of Kosciuszko County and people that are in Kosciuszko County on the basis of... The, the second home or a vacation mm -hmm. home, vacation right. property here. So, uh, you know, what makes lakes aside? Well, let, let's throw lakes out the window. And I know okay. that, you know, your, your boat's right out your back door. I get that. But lakes aside, what are the other things that you think make this a, a premier destination for second home living? Well, I think, I think the property values, obviously, around the lakes, and, but even off the lakes, uh, are, are good. I think that uh, services, you know, when you get to be my age and you start thinking about services, okay, how close is it to the hospital? How close is it to the drugstore? How, how close is it to church? How close is it to the restaurants? What's your variety of restaurants? Uh, do you have diversity within the community? What's your entertainment? You know, what, what do you do if you're not on the water? You're not on the golf course. What, what is there to do? Well, this community's got it all. You've got a theater. You've got a small college. You've got, you got the lake. You've got several lakes. You've got a variety of restaurants. You've got good health care. You've got um, 
but it's still small enough that people know each other and people interact with each other. And, and the, you know, I, I like to refer alive at the least path of resistance. You know, when I was a, in my job and I'd go to games, I would take the back roads. It's the least path of resistance. I hate the interstate, hate driving on the interstate. I drive back roads and county roads, drive through little towns and things. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. If I need to go to the drugstore, it's five minutes from the house and it's easy to get to. And when I walk in, there aren't a thousand people in it. There might be ten. You know, and it's just, it's ease of life. And it's diversity. It's, va it's, it's variety. You're an hour from South Bend. You want to go to Notre Dame game? It's not that hard to do it. You want to go to Fort Wayne? To go to see some, go to the theater or go to something, you can do it. We've got a great little theater here in Warsaw. There's all kinds of things to do. And so when you're entering into retirement and you're talking about that second home or the primary home, you got to have a plan. What are you going to do? You can't just sit home and watch Jeopardy every day. You can't play golf every day. I know that. That just creates bad golf. <laughs> and I play a lot of bad golf. So I know you can't do that. So what are you going to do? You know, when we first came up here, we, I knew a little bit about northern Indiana because in my job I'd go to games and things, but I didn't know a lot. So on the days you don't play golf or you don't get on the boat, my wife and I get in the car, and we call it like a wandering Wednesday or a meandering Monday, whatever the day was, and we just get in the car and drive somewhere. You know, we discovered the Goshen Southside Soda Shop one oh, day. Oh, yeah. The, you know, great yeah, place. Fantastic. Shout you know, out. But that's, the, that's my point. There's so much of that around here. You can get up to Shipshawana and you can get into that environment. There's so many things in northern Indiana to do. I think that's what the draw was for us, is that there's a variety of things to do. Uh, there's a lot of culture. Uh, and, and it's easy. You know, I think as you get older and you get into retirement, ease becomes a big question. How do you get to easy? And this is easy, and it's comfortable, and people are friendly, and and you can do so many different things. That's what makes it fun. That's what that's what's enjoyable. That's what's the draws. You're in Florida all winter. That's great. It starts getting hot, and you decide, yeah, it's time to go back. And so we're gonna, and you get you look forward to going back. And reuniting with your neighbors and reuniting with your friends and going over to their lake cottage and having a beer and having some fun. And you look forward to, you know, going back to the golf course that you haven't been on all winter. And, and then, then when you're done here and if the leaves start falling and it starts getting a little chilly, well, I, 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 don't, need to, I don't need winter. I'm going to go south. You know, when I retired... I told the group that was assembled there at my retirement party, I said, when I was a little boy, I moved from Atlanta, Georgia to Indiana. And the very first day at school, they sent you outside for recess, and it was in January. I had a London fog jacket that was about yay thick. And I said, well, I don't have a jacket. And the teacher said, so what? You're going outside. And I froze to death. And I got my first winter jacket. So at retirement, I said, I want to go back to those days where I don't own a winter coat. When it gets too cold to have a winter coat, I'm leaving. And when it gets too hot, I'm going to come back because I enjoy the change and I enjoy the, the variety of, of the season. And so that's, 
that's what kind of drove us here. Um, the simplicity, the variety, the friendliness, the ease, and, and then we have an opportunity to do something in the South, and we're very blessed. We're very fortunate. Well, it's been, I can't, I can't believe the time's flown by so fast, but uh, Bobby, we ask everybody the signature question. And if you've listened to any of these podcasts, you should know it's coming, but Mr. Claypool always does a great job of asking us, so I'm going to turn it over to him. So this is the Clearly Kosciuszko podcast, so we ask what I call the verbal Rorschach, okay. and that is, what does clearly mean to you? Clearly Kosciuszko. What does clearly Kosciuszko mean to you? Well, clearly Kosciuszko to me, and that's when, uh, when I was asked to, to join you guys on this, the, 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 the notion of that statement is it's clear because of what I've said before. It's clear to be here because of the variety of the community, the, the, the opportunity that this community presents, the ease of it, the, the, the friendliness of it. Um, it's accessibility. Uh, there's so many different reasons. And, and so when you add it all together, clearly Kosciuszko. I mean, it's the reason why you're here in this county. And it, you can be in Warsaw or you can be up in Leesburg or you can be down in Silver Lake or wherever you want to be. But you're, you, you've got the best of everything right here. All you have to do is go out and seek it and, and, and find it. And, uh, and, it's got enough variety that you can find what you really want, d depending upon your likes and your interests. You can find what you want. And so, to me, it's a, it's a great catch line. It's clearly Kosciuszko. I like it. Good answer. Good answer. Very much. And I've really enjoyed being able to chat with you here today. Um, we are going to kind of wrap it up. Uh, Bobby, thanks for being here. You're here for, what, another month, month and a half? Mid-October. Mid-October. So... So catch Bobby as he's out uh, cruising around on his little pontoon boat on Winona, or maybe you'll catch him somewhere else. and uh, Playing a round of bad golf. round yeah. of bad golf. Uh, you won't see me out there. My golf is so bad, I just don't play. Well, I tell my friends, uh, if you're looking for me on the golf course, don't look for me in the fairway, because that's not where I'm at. <laughs> Bobby, thanks for being here. Uh, Jody, thanks again, as always, for hosting here. Next Clearly Kosciuszko podcast comes out in two weeks. Until then... Keep listening. Listen to all the back episodes. They're, uh, they're all there for your perusal anytime. I'm Ryan Martin. He's Jody Claypool. This is the Clearly Kosciuszko Podcast. Clearly Kosciuszko is a countywide voice created in partnership between the Lilly Center for Lakes and Streams, Kosciuszko County Convention and Visitors Bureau, Kosciuszko Chamber of Commerce and the Kosciuszko Economic Development Corporation. If you're seeking a day trip or a weekend getaway, a place to start your business, or a flexible location for a corporate conference, clearly Kosciuszko will connect residents and visitors with the right resource throughout the county. Thanks for listening.